Welcome to the Texas Values Report. This is Jonathan Sines, president of Texas Values. Great to be with you on another glorious week in the state of Texas. And I'm going to emphasize that glorious a little bit more because we've got breaking news from the U.S. Supreme Court. You know that the Texas heartbeat law has been at the center of a lot of attention across the country and, of course, in our state. Breaking ruling, the Supreme Court has come down and said they are not going to put a stop to the Texas heartbeat law. They are going to have an expedited review, so they're going to get to the issue quickly. A lot of these issues are procedural, just so you know. There's going to be a lot of rounds of this, but the Department of Justice, the Biden administration, was desperately trying again to put a stop to the Texas heartbeat law, and thankfully, their efforts uh, were not successful. So breaking victory at the U.S. Supreme Court for the Texas heartbeat law. And look, I I think it's a glorious day in the state of Texas because this is the first time we have an in-studio guest for our Texas Values Report. If you're watching this on Facebook Live, on video, on social media, you'll be able to see the beautiful studio that we're broadcasting from. And if you're listening to it, you want to go to our Facebook page later and check it out. But if you're watching on social media, share it, like it, put it into some groups, because we're going to have a very important conversation um, during this segment of the Texas Values Report. And so if you're watching on video, you can see we've got a great guest here in the studio. And, and this is a new studio for Texas Values, by the way. And Senator Kelly Hancock is going to be our guest today. He's the first guest in studio. This is the first time we're having an interview in our Texas Values studio, which we're right at 900 Congress, uh, just two blocks from the state capitol. But it's because of Jenner supporters that we're able to bring this to you and to have such a great setting for our discussion today. And it's great to have Senator Hancock here for a timely discussion. Senator Hancock, welcome to the Texas Values Report. Yeah, thanks, Jonathan. And it is, it's a great studio, incredible location. Yep. Uh, this just works wonderful. Uh, it's a great week. Another reason, not only the moving forward with the heartbeat law, but the fact is we're not in town. We're, yeah, uh, that's right. The session, the, the, session the, the special, over. the many special sessions have ended, even though, look, there's discussion out there. The lieutenant governor is suggesting there'll be a fourth session, but maybe we'll get to that later. In the meantime, we can really take a deep breath, uh, catch our breath for a little bit. And I want to come back to that in just a minute. But the uh, meat, if you will, the heart of our discussion today is going to be about an important issue that's happening right now for voters. There's constitutional amendment elections. If you're familiar with our type of work in a legislative year, an odd year, there's almost always some issues on the ballot in November. Those are constitutional amendments. Those are things that members of the House and Senate voted on that then you as a voter get to decide. And there are a lot of important ones, but the one we're going to focus on today is Prop 3, and it's number three on the ballot, Proposition 3, because it relates to the issue of religious freedom. You were the author in the Senate, um, Jeff Leach in the House, supporting this legislation We know what happened last year, right? Some government officials, primarily at the local level, tried to shut churches down in places of worship. And let's not forget that. And one way to make sure that never happens again is to make it permanent, if you will, in our Constitution that government shouldn't be shutting churches down. Absolutely, Jonathan. It's so important. And we know that the governor specifically drew up his proclamation in a way that allowed churches to continue. But then we had some local officials try to preempt that, and they actually tried to go too far and shut down uh, religious worship. Uh, and, and so it's not just about gathering together. It is what we as Christians need uh, in our daily life, and, and we gather weekly. And there's a reason we gather weekly is because we draw strength and a source uh, from one another when we worship together. We're two or more right. gathered together. We, we're stronger together as Christians. We know that through Scripture 
And so, especially during a pandemic, that time of being able to gather together, to worship together, and to share our faith openly, that's so important to our mental makeup and to our spiritual makeup. And we know during the pandemic that there were many, many, many mental issues arising out of loneliness, out of depression, and that's isolation. isolation. And that is where gathering together as believers and worshiping together, it, it soothes your soul and it helps you in the midst of a pandemic carry on. That's why we never want to see this again. And when we voted on it, that's what people need to know as well. It takes a two thirds vote from mm-hmm. both the House and the Senate. So this is a bipartisan, bicameral yeah. legislation that is now in Proposition Three being sent to the voters to now gain the voter support as well. So, so let excited. me let me set the stage to where we are logistically. Early voting has already started, right? So if you're listening or hearing this on Friday as we're putting it together, um, this is really the the end of the first, well, not the end, but towards the end of the first week. You can also do early voting on Saturday and limited time on Sunday. I think it's 12 to 6. The other days, I believe it's 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. And the main election day is November 2nd. But don't wait until then. I mean, if that's your only day, uh, don't let that day pass. But there's plenty of opportunities before then to vote on this issue. So every registered voter in the state of Texas, This is not a district. This is not what house district do I live in or what county do I live in? Any registered voter, all registered voters in the state of Texas can speak about these issues. And it's important to do this. As I was taught at the University of Houston Law Center, the law is a teacher. It matters what it says in our law and it matters what it says in our state constitution. And not only does it take two thirds to of the legislature to say, we think this should go on the ballot. That's how important the issue is. And if you're going to have two thirds, that means it was bipartisan. Republicans and Democrats came together and agreed on this overwhelmingly. But that also means that if we vote for this as citizens, as voters, that in order for it to be changed in the future, you've got to get that two thirds majority. You've got to then put it on the constitutional amendment ballot. That's just a a higher level of protection. And I think appropriate here, right? We've talked a lot about this this past year. Churches are essential. Our faith is essential. And if there's any places that should be open when there are times of crisis, it's places of faith. Absolutely. I mean, that's, and, and voting's already started. We know that people today, you can, you can listen to this broadcast and turn around and go out and you can actually vote for this proposition. We, there are a number of items on there yep. this time around. This is not, you're not voting for statewide elected officials. You're not, you know, you may have some local elections, but this is still very, very important because while Jonathan, you and I believe and we understand our constitution affords us this yep. and the governor in his proclamation recognize that the constitution affords us this this allows us to put this in the state constitution where it will be firmly planted and confirm what we know to be the legal standing that we have to gather and worship together and uh, you know after 12 months of a pandemic anyone of faith who doesn't recognize the value number one of their faith and the value of gathering together um that's the this they're reminded of it I, i would imagine they were reminded of it during the pandemic right if maybe they had sort of you know not thought about it in a while it's like sometimes when something's taken away from you right you're like wait a minute you know you sort of took it for granted or you you know maybe didn't appreciate that much but then when you were not able to access you realize wait a minute why is the government doing that and look if a church in a place of worship a religious entity they want to decide on their own 
hey, we want to pull back a little bit or we want to have limited services. You know, that's up to them. That's one thing. But it's a whole nother thing when you see government officials saying where well, you're going to be punished, possible jail time. It hasn't been that long that California just sort of finished fighting these battles, right? Some of the churches there. And I remember this. I remember there were some churches that had parking lot services and still members of law enforcement shut were poking around or trying to shut them down. You know, can you imagine that? You're in a parking lot service. You're outdoors, right? And not imagine it. This was happening last year. And all of a sudden, police are circling your church. That was happening in parts of Texas. There were some areas that we might think are more conservative, where people in parts of North Texas, where they had to go to court, or they had to threaten litigation. And a lot of it was those local officials right. that had really, you know, whether they lost their way or they were a little power hungry in those situations. And, and I mentioned that, right, about the law being a teacher. We need to make sure our law matches up with what we expect. And we can't take for granted that just because the pandemic has passed in a lot of ways, even though there's a lot of things that we're still dealing with, to think, oh, they would never do that again. They sort of learned their lesson. The way to make sure right. that they never take for granted your religious freedom rights again is to vote for Prop 3. Absolutely. And, and the larger percentage we have in approval of Prop 3, the larger the message that's sent to, to local elected officials, if this ever comes up again, and, and while I'm a firm believer that uh, the difficulties of these and the mistakes that were made, human mistakes sure. by those in power, God will use it for good. So I believe just like your new studio, your new uh, venture in, into broadcasting out, you're going to reach more people. I also believe our churches are going to reach more people through the force utilization of technology and getting the word out there through a video format or a uh, your radio format, but on their terms, on their terms. That's right. Not and, because of the government enforcement. And and look, there were, that was a concern. People, am I going to go to jail? I got so many calls. We had so many calls from pastors, from church leaders really did not know what to do. I mean, they, and because many of them, right. All of them, they want to be law abiding citizens. They're not this isn't what they do. They don't think about what's the law on some of these issues. They're thinking about what they're going to do that week, what they're going to preach, how they're going to serve people. I remember it was a Saturday night when uh, local government officials in the area where I live announced at like eight or nine o'clock that starting at 2 a.m. churches had to be closed. I mean, talk about a lack of notice. You know, and so that's the, the way that some people think they can disrespect the church. And one way to put a stop to this is to vote for Prop 3. Well, we don't want to put religious leaders into the position that they were put in. And yeah. they have a scriptural, they have a, a spiritual obligation to gather together as the word teaches us to do. But then you have a local governing authority telling you you can't do it. And so that it, it presents a very, very difficult situation for those of us in leadership at a religious level, well, what do I do? Here? No, and you're right. And look, the attorney general's office, the governor's office, I felt like they did a lot to try to make it clear that churches um, were allowed to be open, but there were still people that said, well, I'm not sure. I saw this executive order, whatever. And so, well, let me just point you to, we, you probably may not be able to see it that well from how far I'm sitting back from the camera. But if you go to our website, and we actually have 
a link to this Texas Proposition 3 Religious Freedom. You can link to this on your website. Go to txvalues.org. You can see this link. It's at the top of our homepage. Share that with people. Maybe you can ask the pastor of your church to make an announcement about it on Sunday. Great idea. Um, it, it, and it's not, there's not a legal issue. Look, I'm an attorney. There is nothing that violates the law by the pastor of a church, even from the pulpit, saying that there's an important issue that you should know about. This protects our religious freedom, Proposition 3, and for them to, uh, to inform people about what's going on and why it matters and um, what it means if you vote one way or another on these issues. And so I think this should be a very simple issue. There are some people out there, I don't, you know, I can't remember, I don't want to name names just yet because I want to draw a lot of attention to them. But some people, sort of the usual folks that might object to some of these things, are trying to confuse people and using some scare tactics but this is a very simple issue. It's an important issue and a great opportunity coming out of a lot of the COVID stuff to reset things. And for you as a citizen, this is not just limited to elected officials. This is your chance to say how you feel on this issue. Well, and it is because we do use a double negative, right? We say <laughs> you're going to prohibit the prohibition of the gathering for religious activity. And so it is a double negative, but don't let people confuse you. This is a measure we want to pass. We want to pass overwhelmingly, and people will look at voter turnout sure. and the percentage that this proposition does pass, and that's why it's important for you. You are the government. You are government. That's how we're set up. It's time for you to have a voice. We need you to follow up and uh, go, to, go to the polls. We need you to support Proposition 3 overwhelmingly, and we need a good turnout in order to send a message to all local elected officials so that if this ever gets looked at again, they yeah. understand constitutionally in the That's U.S. Right. Constitution, you can't do it. In the Texas Constitution, after the 29th, you can't do it in the state of Texas either. That's right. That's what we're hoping for. And you can see here, you can see some of this. This is a coffee mug we have. We've got the Bible in front there. This is the come and take it flag, because that is what some people want to do. They would love for the government to shut churches down. You know, they, they would love to see the government control it. And people would have thought that would never happen. I mean, this, you know, you know, you have public settings and others, but the government would never tell the church what to do on Sunday or some of these days. Look, we're um, we're getting a little short on time because this is an important discussion. I just want to quickly mention we wrapped up a couple of, you know, three special sessions. Uh, not only was heartbeat law during the regular, but a pro-life law, no mail order abortions during the second special session. Uh, some people may have noted the governor signed that bill at the Texas Values faith and family event, which was such a blessing. But then this past special session, the Save Women's Sports Bill, making it clear biological boys cannot compete and take away spots from girls in athletic competitions in high school. I know you served on a school board before. Those opportunities, particularly for young ladies, can be very precious. And another issue where there was some cloudiness to some people, not me, but where's the law on this? This makes it clear, HB 25, the governor should be signing it any day. But that, those were a couple of key issues that got done during the special session. I know you were a part of that. Absolutely. UIL had that in place, but now we're going to have that in place in statute and law. Make sure it never occurs. Absolutely. Well, we're going to have more updates at our website, txvalues.org. I know Senator Hancock doing a great job in the North Texas area of representing his district, but also being a leader on so many issues, communicating about those. I know he'll be probably out and about telling people about this. Uh, the Prop 3, supporting Prop 3 for religious freedom, but also other information happening from the uh, legislative session, uh, the past special sessions and things of that nature. And so I know a lot of people are getting out about to events, you know, now that there's not as much uh, um, activity at the Capitol, 
Um, interact with your elected officials. Let them know how you feel. But get to the poll on these issues. Get out to the polls. Tell your friends. These are usually, I don't know, turnout's probably going to be about 10% um, on average. A lot of people just don't know about it. So we need you to let them know. And if you got questions, call Senator Hancock's office or someone in your district that you need to talk to about this issue. Call our office. Check out our website, txvalues.org. You can see the phone number there. But Senator Hancock, I really appreciate you being a part of the conversation of leading this effort, right? This was an effort you sponsored, you shepherded to the, through the Texas Senate with your good friend, Representative Jeff Leach, on the House side. And so thank you for making religious liberty a priority and also for being our guest today on the Texas Values Report. Yeah, thank you, Texas Values. Thank you, Jonathan, and love the new studio. Look forward to coming back. Excellent. All right. We'll have you back again. We're going to kind of zoom things into me as Senator Hancock's got some things he's got to do on his schedule. And um, we're going to wish him well for the rest of the day. But I've got some commentary and some great updates I want to provide y'all with that uh, one I mentioned earlier that's breaking, right, where where we're talking about what's happening at the U.S. Supreme Court. So and, and look, I. The heartbeat law has got a lot of attention and deservedly so. Right. Um, and, and look, I've, I'm proud that I'm from Texas, but Roe versus Wade is a Texas decision, right? And it can come with that some responsibility of what is Texas doing and are we doing our part? And, you know, I still, and this may happen for some time, I get emotional when I talk about the Texas heartbeat law because many of us have worked for years, some for decades on the pro-life issue. And our goal, and I, I was, you know, really asked this over and over by a reporter recently, right? What are you trying to do with this issue? What are y'all trying to do with this law? You know, as if we've hidden the reason. We're trying to save lives. That's it. It's very simple. And so, but so often uh, pro-life laws don't make it into these days of effect on September 1st, like the heartbeat law did. And so uh, you spend so much time in court trying to get them upheld. And, and eventually maybe you come back to the law being in effect or, or at some limited level. Not the case with the Texas heartbeat law. It's been effect, in effect since day one, since September 1st. We're actually doing a count. If you go to texasheartbeatlaw.com, you can see on the website, the microsite we've created, we're doing a count daily. And I think it gets updated every hour or so based on the average number of abortions that are performed every day in the state of Texas, about 150. And because of the uh, heartbeat law, we know that really it's one of the earliest times that you can detect that a uh, that that a baby is there and that um, there's a baby alive and inside the womb, that there is a life present and that a woman is pregnant. And so, based on the fact that a lot of abortion clinics have shut down and have, and have stopped doing abortions because the heartbeat law is in effect, that number is based on how many abortions would be taking place and are not. And we're over seven thousand. I mean, think about that: seven thousand lives saved in less than two months. That's extraordinary. It's about 50,000 lives, uh, 50,000 babies that die from abortion every year in the state of Texas on average. So the Supreme Court ruled today, and there's been a lot of active court cases, and every time the Texas heartbeat laws prevail. So if you didn't catch my breaking uh, news from the beginning of this segment and this broadcast, the Texas heartbeat law again has prevailed at the U.S. Supreme Court. And I want to tell you why. The Department of Justice, is my understanding, was requesting that the Supreme Court stop the law from going into effect while they take a deeper review of that. The Supreme Court said, we're not doing that. Okay, the law stays into effect. The law is still enforced. Babies can still be saved on the Texas heartbeat law. 
while the Supreme Court does decide the review. Now, the Supreme Court has decided to sort of fast track their review of it. I don't think that's that big of a deal because this case is very simple. It shouldn't take them that long to review this and then to push it back to the lower courts. And, and that's not going to resolve this issue altogether. There'll still be other things that'll play out in court. These are some procedural issues. But I, I do want to dive into a little bit of this because I don't think it's that complicated. Okay. In order for there to be a lawsuit, you have to have a law apply to someone. And then you say this person is violating the law. The Texas heartbeat law clearly says, specifically says that this law does not apply to government officials because government officials don't enforce this law. Well, the Biden administration, the Department of Justice, they have sued government officials. And there was this really just sort of ridiculous back and back and forth at the lower court level when there was a hearing where the Department of Justice is is asking the state of Texas to say, which one of your uh, representatives do you want to designate as the one that's the main person being sued? And their answer is none because the law doesn't apply to them. But the Department of Justice is trying to push this issue nonetheless, because that's how most pro-life laws are written. The government enforces them. The Texas heartbeat law is different. You, the citizen, get to enforce it. You get to go in court and hold an abortion doctor accountable for performing an abortion on a baby after the heartbeat is detected. That is how you violate the Texas heartbeat law, but that's also how you enforce it with private citizens. If the government is not the one enforcing it, and that's clearly what the heartbeat law says, that's what the statute says, that the government is not eligible to enforce this. That means you don't have a constitutional violation either because the government's the only one that can restrict you from doing something that leads to you saying that's a constitutional right I have and you're taking it away from me, right? But that's usually how the abortion industry does things and keeps these laws from going into effect. So the Department of Justice is trying to make an argument and pull the government into something that the law clearly says does not apply to them. And that's their really only argument anyway. And that's why they become so desperate. Um, and now what they're doing, they're really asking the court to fabricate, to make up some area of law or concept that allows them to win. Now, lower court sort of went along with this argument of equity um, that is not based in any precedent of uh, previous cases. Uh, but that lasted a very short amount of time. The appellate court over, overturned that and allow the heartbeat law to continue to be in effect. And so my point is, they would have, I mean, they have to create a whole new area of law and concept for the heartbeat law to succeed moving forward. And I know that's different for some people that usually you'd think the government would be a part of enforcing it, but that's not the case. That's not the way the heartbeat law was written. And that's one of the key reasons why it's still in effect. Um, but look, we've been doing a lot of work on this issue to educate people. TexasHeartbeatLaw.com is the website we set up. We've done a lot of interviews. We've been educating groups. We've been doing a lot of legal analysis on interviews so people understand. We've been providing that legal analysis to key decision makers. Um, as a matter of fact, Senator Hancock himself has been sued on this issue, right? Because he was one of the supporters of the Texas Heartbeat Law. Um, but look, I want to tell you, we've got a great event coming up where you could help support the work we do. And I don't know if you can see this. I got a little bit of an image here. On November 6th, we've got the Faith, Family, and Freedom Gala in Houston. Eric Metaxas, a number one best-selling uh, book author. He's got a national radio show. He's going to be our keynote speaker. The author of The Heartbeat Law. I can't even say that word right lately. The author of The Heartbeat Law, Senator Brian Hughes, is going to be one of our guest speakers, he's going to give an update on the issue and really a lot about what's happening across the state. We call it our state of the state address. 
Um, he worked on election integrity. He's worked on some other issues to stop censorship on social media. That man has been busy this year, but what a difference he's made. And, you know, we might have some of these little goodies for you to have if you come to our event. Got this little football, right? Am I going to, should I throw the football at the camera like Governor Abbott and Lieutenant Patrick did? No, I'm not going to do that. Okay, we got some expensive equipment in here. But I just, um, you know, wanted to give you that update on what's happening at the uh, U.S. Supreme Court, because everybody's talking about it. Right before I came on set, there was a lot of discussion about it. It was breaking news. But please, if you can't make it to some of our events, consider making a tax-deductible donation to Texas Values. Our team is working um, around the state. It's not just here in the Austin area. We've got people in North Texas, in the Houston area, in South Texas, all over the state. We've got supporters in all 254 counties. That's what it takes. We were on the ground every day during the special sessions. I don't think that there's really any other group that can say that um, in the state of Texas. And the reason I mentioned that, we've all got a role. I'm just trying to uh, get your attention and focus on that's what we do best. Okay, when there is a state policy issue at the Capitol, we've got some of the best and brightest in our team that are there. That's why the Save Women's Sports Bill, one of the key reasons it was passed is we didn't give up on it. All right, we kept our focus on it. We knew we had a limited amount of time, had a great bill author in, in Valerie Swanson in the House and Senator Perry, Charles Perry in the Senate. But that bill has passed. Governor Abbott's going to be signing it very soon, making it clear the standard in place for sports so that girls don't have biological boys competing and taking away their spots and taking away opportunities from them and making a clear standard. You go by the birth certificate nearest at birth. It's very simple, but there are growing attacks on this issue. If you heard some of those hearings, there are many people throughout the state of Texas, they want a policy that allows biological boys to compete in girls sports and which would end up taking away opportunities from young ladies and, and creating a very difficult environment of them as we're seeing in other parts of the country they're celebrating these biological men and boys that are competing in women's sports, propping them up, putting them on the cover of magazines and publications. They want to see more of this. And there was clearly a growing problem. UIL was reporting that. We've come up with a solution. Go to TXValues.org. Make a tax deductible donation today. You know, we were able to lead the effort to, for the, all three pillars of our organization, religious freedom, pro-life and marriage and family. We got key pieces of legislation passed on that. I think it's a tremendous return on your investment. TXValues.org. Make that tax-deductible donation today so we can protect faith, family, and freedom in the state of Texas. Go vote for Prop 3, Religious Freedom, on that statewide constitutional ballot. And we'll talk to you next week on the Texas Values Report. <laughs>